Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Please consider supporting Black Women United YEG for the protection and advancement of black women and girls in Alberta. You can learn more about them at bwunited.ca. Uh, they are always looking for donations and volunteers. So please, again, support Black Women United YEG for the protection and advancement of black women and girls in Alberta. Again, that website is bwunited.ca. My name is Frank Silvestri. I'm from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, not a Canadian. And Philly's really close to New Jersey, by the way. And I'm here to talk to you about why I am a Patreon supporter of Vishkana's Creative Control Podcast, the unique long-form exploration of music, comedy, art, geography, and so much more. Vish is an incredible interviewer who has a charming, disarming, funny, reverently irreverent style which feels a lot more like a conversation with friends than a podcast interview. These conversations have included talking to people like Jeff Tweedy, Nels Klein, Ira Kaplan, Dan Romano, Carson McCone, the White Hot Lung, Juliana Riolino, and one of my all-time favorites, the Sadies. So if you're like me and you find these kind of conversations vital, essential, and important, I hope you'll join me in supporting Creative Control on Patreon. To make your flexible monthly donation to Creative Control, please visit patreon.com slash creative control today. Jordy Gordon is a very talented multi-instrumentalist, singer, producer, and songwriter currently based in Toronto, Ontario. Collaborating with numerous musicians and touring the world in bands since he was a teenager in Guelph, Ontario, Gordon came into his own as a band leader in The Magic, an energetic pop group that emerged at the beginning of the 2010s and last released an album in 2016. Ever since then, Gordon has been spending time playing music in U.S. girls and islands and has been exploring his more contemplative side as a solo artist. And his latest album is a wonderful, reflective one that shows off some of his best and most personal lyrics and a high level of musicianship. It's called Tambourine. It was released on November 2nd, 2023 by Victory Pool Records. 
and it prompted Jordy and I to have a good talk about things like writing songs inspired by his memories, family members, and his earliest experiences as a music fan and musician. His interest in writing sad songs that make people cry, his role in U.S. Girls and recollections of an impactful show he once saw by the hidden cameras, growing up in the closet in a university town and his sexual awakening, excitement about releasing a new record and playing shows, other future plans, and much more. A part of the Entertainment One Network with the support of listeners just like you who follow and subscribe to this donor-driven podcast and spread the word about it and make flexible monthly donations to sustain all of the work that I put into this show at patreon.com slash creative control. Thanks for supporting this show's Patreon. It means the world. Plus in-kind support from Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee, respectively, in Guelph, Ontario, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton, Ontario. This is episode 815 of Creative Control, featuring the lovely and talented Jordy Gordon with your host, me, Vish Khanna. But they were in army of love With sounds raining down from above Hi, Jordy. How's it going? Hi, Vish. Nice to talk to you. Nice to talk to you. It's lovely to see you. Where in the world are you today? I'm in Toronto, Ontario. I just took the train, the GO train from Guelph about half an hour ago. Oh, nice. Uh, What brought you to Guelph, if I may ask? Uh, Well, I had Thanksgiving on Monday with my family, and then... I uh, worked on my last music video just last night, which will be coming out the day of the record release. Oh, congratulations. I was watching uh, a video uh, from the new album uh, just yesterday, and I think it was shot in Guelph, I I thought. Maybe some of it was. I don't know. Uh, But you were dressed uh, uh, as though you were uh, in some sort of uh, royal procession. I don't know how else to put it. Yeah, yeah, that was... That was definitely filmed in Guelph. <laughs> and the song in question was Spinning Wheel, I feel like? Yeah, that, that's yeah. Tr- Spinning Wheel video, yeah. Yeah, so what? Uh, I, let's just jump right in. I, I'm curious about that video and how it connects to the content of the song. And I don't want us to maybe... This was not meant to be a director's commentary podcast. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> or, or what do you call it, you know? But uh, what's going on in that video as it pertains to that song? Can you explain? Yeah, sure. I mean, so basically that song Spinning Wheel was the first one of all these that I wrote. Uh, Well, kind of the first one that wasn't on my last record. And it was written about a memory that I had from being staying over at my grandma's house as a kid. And the memory was that there was this specific painting uh, that was like a little girl looking across a river at this kind of like gnome elf man. And my grandma would always is like, would teach us all about fanciful things when we stayed over. And it was, she talked a lot about how like the river was the, uh, that there was like different dimensions and that you could see into different dimensions sometimes. And we would like walk in her forest and she'd talk all about like, you know, if you have an open eye, you can see. Um, so I wrote the song about that. And that was 
like maybe almost three years ago now. And I hadn't even talked to my grandma or seen that painting. It was just like a memory. And she has moved twice since then. And a lot of the stuff from our house didn't survive. But in her new place, that was in her laundry room. The same painting. Um, she kept the painting. And it's actually like a... I wish I knew the artist's name, but it's like a Victorian era print. But the one she has is just like a on a piece of cardboard. And it's all scratched up. And it's like nailed up. Um, and it was there. So we decided to make the video starring my grandma, Catherine L. Gordon. And yeah, base it around this painting and the idea of the song, which is like... So in that song, I play the, I guess I'm not an elf, but like we play the mysterious medieval troubadour band that right. is in a different world in the, in the woods that my grand my grandma plays kind of like a witch, I would say a bit, but she's also the representing the little girl, the painting. I see. Um, yeah. yeah. So, and it was really fun. I haven't really made a lot of videos before. And this time we have, we're making a few and I got to kind of get, I kind of invented the plan and the story and had really good help. So yeah, it was a, I was very happy with how it turned out. Is the plan to make the videos sort of as literal to the song as possible? No, that was, that was the only one really, I would say. And it's not like, I mean, it's a little literal. We actually, the hard thing was we were trying to get, we were trying to be on either side of a, a river but yes. it wasn't yeah. possible. So we went down to uh, near like Victoria and York and Victoria. Yep. yep. Um, like by. Yeah, there's like a the little park. Mill was. There's a little park yeah. down yeah. there uh, yeah. by and the bridge. It was, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was uh, supposed to be kind of gloomy. So we chose like that time right when there was no snow, but it was still winter time. So it was pretty cold. Yeah, but but it's funny because a lot of people, Guelph people, do recognize it as Guelph, even though it's just sticks, you know, bare trees. It doesn't really like it's not supposed to be in in a place, but it's recognizable. But people have. I think obviously those of us who spend any time in Guelph uh, and know that you're from Guelph and maybe pick up on the fact that the primary star clearly looks like a Gordon. Not you, yes. I mean, your grandmother. Like, I was like, yeah, oh my yeah. goodness. This is your father's mother, I'm guessing? Yes, yes, yeah. that's true. So I'm like, oh, I can see James Gordon in this person. Yeah. And, and when I asked about the literal aspect of it, just based on what you were just saying, at one point there is a, a very tight shot of her eye, her seeing eye. And I thought, oh, okay, this is following the action of the lyrics. And I think... I mean, were you you said that uh, in her moves things were jettisoned or lost? Were you kind of weirded out that the f- image from your dream survived and is still in her possession? Uh, I don't think so. It just was confirmed that we were like still on the same wavelength, wow. I guess. Hmm. And it was and confirmed that it was real. Sometimes you kind of invent memories from your childhood and it sure. just was like proof that it was actually real. Yeah, that, that, that can happen if you, uh, uh, look through photo albums a lot. Uh, cause there's, there are times where I look at a family photo album and I have no memory of, you know, you have no agency. People are just walking around in the 1980s taking photos of you and then sticking uh-huh. them in an album. And then over time, your memory is like the photo comes to life. Like you don't remember it really. 
So that's right. kind of what's happening. Anyway, sorry, I didn't mean to go on a tangent. No, it's there. of course. <laughs> and uh, for the this album cover, I used a f- picture of me from like a Bar Mitzvah Brothers recording session when I was maybe 15-ish or something. Yeah. And I don't know, we don't know who took, it was like a print we found in the drawer. So I don't actually know who took it. I couldn't make a a uh, credit or anything. Who would have done that kind of archiving? Sorry, everyone. Uh, Jordy and I have a long history together. Uh, and so we might drop some names and uh, and situations and, and things that we know, we know well. Sorry, we'll try to keep everyone in the loop here. What I was going to say. I forgot you guys were there, listeners. <laughs> yeah. Some of Hello. You, some of you. I'm just talking to my friend Vish here. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Welcome to my conversation with Jordy Gordon, a uh, brilliant young songwriter. Uh, <laughs> Jordy, uh, I was looking at that and I'm like, is that Pipe Street? Is that the House of Miracles? It doesn't look like the House of Miracles. Um, it was Pipe Street. Yeah. yeah which was the studio that my dad had bes- behind our house in like a little barn. And I think that's when Rebecca Simpson recorded us. Oh. For some reason, I think that. And she might be in the background of the back picture. There's like somebody and it's hard to see. Oh. Um, but it was, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I kind of, the thing I hate the most about a, an album is like choosing the name of it and maybe the album art, trying to put the whole story together in like an image. Yeah. But I was happy we found this picture and it was, it's like really, you know, it's a lo-fi photo, but it's the same thing where like that photo, I didn't really remember it and I hadn't seen it in a long time, but it has a life of its own, I think. Hilariously, you called it a lo-fi photo, but that was likely taken with actual film. I mean, I guess it could have Mm -hmm. been a digital camera at that point in 2003 or whatever, 2002. I think it was like a a disposable camera, I would think. But still real film, uh, which to me is not lo-fi these days when we have all these like degraded or low-grade digital things. Let's catch people up on this process. You've named the album Tambourine. As you say, the album artwork features uh, photos, uh, at least some photos of you uh, as a teenager. Uh, The lead song on the album, the title track is the lead song, I should say, Tambourine. And that chronicles a very pivotal moment uh, you had as a 16-year-old. And so I have a, a slew of questions about this that, of that course, I hope, of I hope we can get to. Let's start with um, the fact that you are in this reflective mode. You're thinking about the past. Memories have come to very, very, I think, important memories are kind of flooding these lyrics. Yeah. Where did that come from, would you, would you say? Well, it was good we started at that. So that Spinning Wheel song was the first song that wasn't that made it didn't make it on my last record the tower because it so it was like the start of the new thing and i didn't have a lot of songs and i'm not i'm the kind of person that makes music first with nonsense words and humming and then gets lyrics later so like i mean currently i'm in a trouble because i have a lot of songs with no no lyrics um but i wrote a grant proposal for this recording this record and in that kind of thing, it's normally like, oh, I hate these. I have to like bullshit a concept. And because I had this one song done, I was like, oh, it's about thinking about memories. I made this concept that I thought was like just junk to get to to ask for money. Mm-hmm. And then I had to write the songs and I was like, oh, that was that's a good idea. 
Um, so I, I, I did use it. It's not like, it doesn't go for the whole record. It's not like a concept record, but it was a, a really nice way to start. And kind of the most important songs involved that just, um, and even, so I had moved for this recording. I moved back to Guelph. I was there for like a year and a half just after the, the lockdown ish time, uh, when I could live with my grandma again, when I couldn't, hadn't seen her for a long time. So I lived in her attic and, you know, a place where you have grown up, like, you know, you and I are going to talk about a lot of places. I think it's fun to think of a place and just try to remember like what you've done there. Sometimes when I ride a long subway ride in Toronto, I look at, and I'm bored, I look at every stop and then I try to think of like something important that happened when I was at every subway stop. It's like a fun game. I don't know. Yeah. Because it really is, there is a way, I don't think I'll ever write a memoir because I don't think, like, I don't think people need to know about me, but it is a nice way to, yeah, to reflect, to have a reflective moment. And, you know, when I was recording the record, I was in a pretty nice, settled, quiet winter where I was just focusing on work. So it wasn't like a lot was happening to me at that moment. So are you, uh, as you were writing this record... I'm trying to get at whether you might have been lonely as you were writing it or you were reflecting simply. I, I get what you're saying, that it, this writing maybe was inspired by something a bit crass, a grant application that took on yeah, a life, yeah. life of its own. But clearly, you know, this is a very emotional and powerful record um, for those of us who know you in particular and know your journey. I want to get to the loneliness because in some ways... Tambourine kicks off and you're talking about, I think, a moment where you felt welcomed and maybe more yourself than you had maybe up to that point. And I hope we will dig into that song in a moment since it yeah. is pivotal. But I want to stick with the loneliness because I do feel like as I ponder these songs and your reflections upon these moments in your life, seems to me that some of those moments were a little alienating, a little isolating, maybe some loneliness there. Is loneliness a key yeah. concept? I mean, so I just in general like, really like sad songs the most. And I, I don't know, I'm just not a fan of really happy songs and fast songs even. I really like a, a tearjerker. And to me, I think I revel in that. Like I, I like being alone. And sometimes it is sad when I am, but it's for writing about it. It's like a song that talks about that to me is like, well, I don't know. It's what I'm into or something. (laughs) Um, Definitely there was loneliness, but you know, not the kind of like, I've always had a lot of great people around me, but it's, you know, that kind of, I definitely am like pretty private. And so, yeah, I, I'm, I'm sure a lot of things, a lot of times I've kept things to myself and I definitely feel lonely sometimes, but there's something to me that's like a, a powerful emotion that I lo- I like to have in music. With this solo project of mine, the shows tend to be kind of intense and like my goal is to like be, I always close my eyes when I sing and I like, you know, want people to cry at the show. <laughs> it's, it's not like a Saturday night show. You know, because that's my favorite part about music is when it, I don't, I'm not a big fan of like comedy music. I like when music is like 
stabs you in the heart. One of your last uh, major uh, projects was a band called The Magic. And on, if I may be reductive, it was the opposite of everything you just described. Uh, was that, what, yeah, maybe. Was that, I don't, I don't mean content wise necessarily. I think if people were to delve into the lyrics, they might get a, a similar impression to the one you're just suggesting, but the, the arrangements were upbeat. It was a pop band ostensibly. Was that yeah. getting that? And, and I mean, historically you've played in other sort of supercharged bands, uh, with your brother and the sad clowns with the Salt Lake kids. There was a festivity there. If you look back on those things, was that getting those sounds and those approaches sort of out of your system <laughs> so you could get to this making people cry monster mode that you're in? <laughs> <laughs> I still like being in fun bands. Yeah. I'm having such a good year touring with U.S. Girls because we're in a really good mode where it's basically like a disco band, yeah. but there's still like a lot of truth and emotion. Substance, weight. And, yeah. Yeah. And a lot, we're really feeling the things. But yeah, basically I find myself to be like a musician and a producer foremost. And so I love making fun music. Yeah. I love having, I like grooves. I like drums and, but I've always kind of kept a few quieter, you know, singer songwriter stuff on the bubble underground. So it's been nice to focus on that in the last few years. Also, you know, this is, I guess the second self-recorded record I've as a little bit of other people on this, but it was mostly just me. Mm -hmm. So no, I don't think it, I was, I don't think I was getting that out of my system. I, I actually thought about that the other day. Uh, I haven't in this, in this year, it's been mostly uh, leading up to promoting this release. So I haven't made a lot of music Yeah, and I was forgetting. I keep forgetting that it's a fun thing to do to just make like a beat yeah. Like dance music. I haven't done that, but recently, but I, I was, I think I need to get a, um, some friends together just to make fun music, you know, but I think it can be both. And, I, and my favorite music is, is both. Yeah. I would say. Fair enough. Yeah. I, I, like I say, for those of us who have kind of followed your trajectory, it is really dynamic and, and fascinating, but you, it's interesting to me to hear you say that you like a tearjerker because as I think of the different, vocal modes you employ here like it startled me i thought i was aware of your capabilities the things you were really great at but this i don't know if you can be objective about it does this album feel like a particular exhibition of new vocal approaches for you um i feel like you're kind of stunting a little like oh why jordy can sing really well and in different ways and it feels to me like you're employing as much of your power as a singer as you can here. And it is really emotional, whether it's a falsetto or you're going down into a baritone or something. Was that a conscious yeah, choice of yours to, to kind of employ as much of your different voices as you could? I'm not sure. It's more just that with music that was designed less for um, pushing out at, a, at an audience, I, I've been embracing like softer and lower voice range yeah when i do love like a a high melody and it's interesting actually because a few of the older songs i'm trying to think of the falsetto ones on here might be the the more high ones uh no thanks for the <laughs> it's a <com> <laughs> it, also it's a compliment but i guess i wonder how conscious you were of like i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna really sing my ass off on this album 
Well, I wanted it to be striking. I definitely worked hard to try to make some striking sounds. Yeah. And also, yeah, every it, singing to me is like a long standing growth. And I was feeling pretty, yeah, feeling pretty good about this one. Yeah, you should. I guess what I'm saying, and I don't mean to make you uncomfortable with compliments, but I think you should. No. Um, Thank you. Yeah, yeah. I want to jump us back to the uh, beginning of the album. Uh, I do think tambourine is a bit of a a table setter for what's to come. Uh, And ironically enough, it's one of the most upbeat songs, I think, on the record. And it's celebratory. It's celebratory, but as you delve into the lyrics, you realize that, to me anyway, my read of it is that this is a very pivotal point in someone's life and trajectory. It's not... Anyway, sorry. Can you, first of all explain maybe what the song is sort of about yeah totally yeah. so this in in that exercise of like trying to pick important moments or whatever i yeah remembered this right when we were old enough to start to go into toronto for shows i think jenny from my first band and i went took the bus and stayed with David Kucharepa at his apartment. <laughs> Cooch. Forgot about And <laughs> I remember we took the subway. You know, when you first go to a city and you don't really know where you are, there was that feeling sure. of being like taken around with someone. Yeah. Um, and I remember, so we were going to see the Hidden Cameras, who was a band that we knew some people in. They were older than us, but we knew some people in it. And Andy McGoffin, who was recording our band, had just had recorded the record, The Smell of Our Own. That's correct. That that they were releasing, and I but I remember like at we got there and they were the show was on the cover of Now magazine. It was like a big deal. The band, yeah, they, yeah, 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 yeah. Even though it, they were pretty DIY, and we went to the show and it was at a church, and it felt like the shows that we liked where it was, you know, they were putting it on themselves. There was friends of theirs working the door, but like a lot of people came. It was like eight hundred people came. It was it was packed. We were at the front sitting on the floor and it was at a church and they, they just put a big show on, you know, like it was a big band. Uh, I think our friend Justin was playing the pump, the pipe organ, getting grandiose. They Just, had Justin, these, Justin station. Yeah. Our, that's our right. Friend. Yeah. 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 And they had dancers and they had this overhead projector that, that had their, all their lyrics yeah. um, projected on these like purposefully stained sheets that were projected on. And basically it was like, for me at that moment, I've been focusing on being a really, you know, young DIY musician where we were like, so all we did was go have band practice and try to get stuff going. And to us, it was so inspiring to see like all the details together, this amazing show. And as someone that isn't like lyric focused, I was just like about the music. But what it was, was like a, it was an unabashed, like filthy queer celebration in a church. And it was, you know, that was a, they were having a moment and it was really big. But to me, I hadn't even really thought of that. That wasn't the reason I went to the show. It was like, uh, just cause I was into music mm. and then to have that, I'm sure I was, you know, a shy kid and the idea of the like underwear go-go dancers and the, the stained sheet, filthy lyrics or whatever it was like something that I'd be shy about, but then we were in the front row and the whole idea of the show was like to uh, involve the audience. 
And to come there was like, whoa, it was kind of mind blowing. I don't think I really processed it at the time, but that's looking back. It was like, wow, I can't believe I got to be there and see that and see like all these people being like so unabashed and out and stuff. So very heady. Cool. If I think back on that period that you and I shared some of these moments together, it was a really heady period. It was the time, I think, Jordy, you and I were probably at the some of the earliest arcade fire shows as well mm-hmm. um, and hidden cameras as well. And there was this, and we were, I guess you and I were in a large ensemble of a sort of be in that spirit as well of like community band. Oh yeah. It was a, a gang vocal era, yeah. <laughs> but it was cool. Cause as a kids, we didn't realize that it didn't make sense to have a lot of people in your band. And we thought that anything, it was like a very, like anything could happen, especially being friends with arcade fire as teenagers because we played some random little shows together like to see them succeed was just like oh wow this anything can happen you know yeah, like because and, it, and it's hard because yeah. nowadays everything feels like like i'm putting together a little band and i don't you know i want to pay people to help me it's hard to get around it's hard to get a van these days most people don't have bands because they can't play drums places they don't have practice spaces yes, you know like it, yeah. it's it's hard to have the logistics of a big band. But at that time it really felt like people just were all doing it for fun. Like the, the group surrounding hidden cameras must've put a million hours of volunteer time in to get outfits and they had props and stuff, which I know was a bit of a issue in the end because it was kind of one person's project with a, of a there were, community. There were some labor doing, disputes and, and discussions. Yeah. I, I, and I, th- and sore feelings to this day, actually, with some of these things. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. Yeah. And I know that that's, I guess, the dream of the, of the 2000s. <laughs> the uh, early 2000s, yeah. dream was a little bit squashed by reality since because the life, the world has gotten kind of hard. Like, yeah. you know, I don't think they could, like, I don't know where the polyphonic spree would right, practice right. now or something. Right. But, you know, for us, it was amazing to feel... It wasn't precious either. Like in our band, we just kind of had a bunch of people doing a bunch of stuff. Yeah. And, and, and this is someone that like, I grew up with music, but I didn't really take any lessons. So I was, I've never been like amazing at one instrument, but I've always, I've never had doubt that you can just try. And I've never had, we'd meet a friend that wasn't a musician and it wasn't like, oh, you can't be in our band. It was like, yeah, you can be in a band because anyone that, can exactly. do it. There was, there was definitely an inclusivity in the randomness of these, of these, ensembles i guess and uh mm-hmm. and, and a real spirit of anyone can try to do this um i want to hearken back to an aspect of the hidden camera show you attended that you alluded to and i think um is a running it, it serves then as a running motif of this album which is your relationship to and again i want to respect your privacy and all those sorts <laughs> of things boys. but i think it's <laughs> present on this record yeah uh your relationship to um queerness to being queer i suppose to, to that culture at that time i don't recall you being out if i may is that a f- yeah and that's what i was i guess that was kind of also like a thematic part of the album was cuz i've been reading lots of gay literature and like the classic form is like a, a coming of age story or whatever. And it was interesting for me because when I think of my formative young self, it was like only about music. I never had like bros that were 
dating and we weren't drinking. So that aspect of my life like wasn't really happening, but I obviously like had uh, private thoughts about that early on in my life. But I can't even remember at that time of being necessarily like tormented by having by like being in the closet or whatever. And I wasn't also, I was raised in a pretty good place. Like Guelph, we were in a very like enclave of creativity. I don't remember like my family having a lot of queer friends, but a few, like I knew my parents had a few that we knew about it. We talked about it or whatever. Yeah. But yeah, I I was definitely, you know, it's always a hard thing to, it's still a hard thing to break through, even though you're, even though you have a cool community, whatever. It's different. I'm, I mean, high school these days, a lot of kids come out earlier, but it was still grade school. My time. Yeah. My kids are in, you know, fully. Yeah, absolutely. I think the times have changed. Um, And I also, a reason that I wanted to write about this was that my entire life, even after, like I've kind of didn't quite come out until I was like around 20. Yeah. But my whole life has been kind of in separate streams where it was like my music friends and then like the queer life that I had, which I'll, which was cool because if I didn't have music, I would have like focused on that and like only gone to gay bars and stuff and moved out of Guelph earlier or something. But hmm. when things, I've been trying in my life to get those streams to to come together. And so I, in this album, it's a, even though this album's not like fabulous in the regards that some bands would be, and it's also not trying to like overfocus on that, it was definitely like, okay, this is going to be like, I guess you're what well, you're talking about loneliness and stuff. It's it's not. I don't think this record really talks about like it's not like a sexy record, but it definitely has is trying to explore a young Jordy feeling yeah. himself out in a, and mostly in a small town. There's a few songs that are about that one of them so the song Greytown which I think is kind of the most powerful song on the record is mostly fictionalized but somewhat real about like a it's like a very narrative thing about a queer kid in a small town and it's that hard, song it's, hard really, it's heart wrenching to be honest with yeah, you yeah that song I'm yeah. really proud of because it wasn't that one wasn't totally me but it was like I was proud of it because I like it was hard writing it was hard like i remember like getting fucked up by the the day that i wrote it you know like really diving into um some pain which and now when every time i play it it's i love playing it but like i close my eyes and i open it after and you're like oh yeah god there's a whole room of people witnessing this (laughs) well i'm uh, i'm surprised that you just brought it up because it was on my mind and it was going to be the next line of questioning because there's some lyrics here that did get to me. I'm just going to read the opening verse, if if, uh, verses, I suppose. Is that okay? Yeah, of course. Greytown sleeping, no way to find it for me. All that stirring, stifling, this coat keeps that heat in. Holding their girlfriends in their rough, careless hands, laughing so sure of their world, they don't notice me only when I dream. Now, this got to me on a couple of levels. First of all, I don't know what it is. Again, it's maybe our long history. I couldn't help but just picture you walking up McDonnell Street, 
towards Norfolk and seeing people like on the patio of the Albion or something. And <laughs> that just, for some reason, I just like, I pictured little Jordy navigating the streets and seeing people carousing or something. But what I did, what really hit me and forgive me if I, uh, I don't frame this properly, but there's this notion that comes to me of, of a young kid wishing people were gay. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, so the, basically the, it comes from being in like a college town. Guelph has like a very small downtown and yeah. there's always a little bit of like artsy scene, but reality is that the downtown is mostly for like agricultural students from university of Guelph. On the like party farm nights. Kids yeah. Come the, and party. Yeah, yeah. There's always, um, young women that don't have coats waiting in line cold women yes and, that's right <laughs> uh it's kind of it's kind of a shit show down there yes and it's a spectacle and, and and you know we were going out and also i would as a, as a townie you get university friends and you go to some university parties but you stay the same but you meet all these new people and stuff there's this tran- and so it's a transient I, town right there's just always yeah 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 and so definitely i would find this would be like in my early 20s then seeing straight guys that were like charming and charismatic that I would kind of like fall for a bit, but also just fall for their life that they're like um, the center of the party Hmm. and acting so sure. And they're just like being themselves. And cause you know, it's, it's designed for them. Like the university party circuit is like designed for young men kind of. So that was a notion. And it was actually from, that song was triggered from a funny moment where the diplomat hotel was kind of the dive bar. We, we used to go to karaoke at. Yes. And I remember coming out one night in the winter by myself and right in front of me, there was this really drunk, like mainstream college guy <laughs> who was shirtless in the snow by the curb right in front of me and was really drunk. And he looked at me like, and I couldn't tell if it was like if I was about to get beat up or if he was about to like size, you know, he seemed like he had a rough night and he didn't, uh, he lost his shirt and didn't go home with who he was chasing. And so maybe oh. he was sizing me up as the last minute oh. option or something. Huh. Um, so that's what the song is like a, is about a, is fictionalized about someone who is like in love with the straight guy. And then at some party, he finally, this guy like finally allows him to get, they get together, but it was really just like drunkenly using this kid. And then the next day realizing that, that what he want, what he wanted more than anything wasn't, was actually that he just was being used, you know, like, yeah, uh, he was, so that's the, that's the story of that song. Well, when I, (laughs) when I, when I invoke loneliness or, or what have you, I guess I wonder if confusion might be a better word as you reflect upon who you were and the milieus you were in. Like, I appreciate that you were, I don't know, sturdy enough to compartmentalize your music life from your queer life or what have you and and, and just say, like, these are just parts of me that I explore yeah. separately. They don't have to, not everything has to come together. Then you go to the Hidden Camera show and you must realize, oh, there is a way for these things to coexist and be mingling. Yeah. And yet, then you have an encounter like this one, which is steeped in fear, desire, some semblance of shame, uncertainty. Like, 
when I say heart wrenching and loneliness, <laughs> I think I personally feel a little badly that I wasn't aware as someone who was there with you often. Right, right. Just like, oh shit, I wasn't maybe there for Jordy <laughs> enough. I didn't realize how difficult that must have been to enter any space and not be sure if you might have a potential partner or a crush or what that does to someone. Yeah, A lot yeah. of that swimming around on the record, maybe that mode. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. Yeah. Cause then I wasn't, it's weird looking back because I was like, wow, I could have been like such a popular twink if I knew my self worth or whatever, <laughs> but I didn't, I didn't my most beautiful, stage i didn't take advantage of that what does that mean you, but it's good you're because lovely you look because, lovely you're in a beautiful mode i don't even know what that thank means you. no i understand i'm a retired twink now um so there's some and, is there uh, actually regret as well in this record oh a little bit but i don't think so I, I i'm like you said it's like learning your everyone goes through that thing where they learn their self-worth and most people go through it by pushing themselves into uh, situations where they could get hurt more. And I didn't really do that. I didn't have too much experience where I got hurt because yeah. I was kind of uh, just safe in my little quiet bubble, I would say. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I don't know if it's regret, but you know, like I've always wanted to make a really gay record, but I've tried to make like sexy songs and it just hasn't quite worked. And I find a lot of artists that try to do that will be like, this is my, like Sam Smith just tried to become more sexy and fabulous, which I think was cool. And I, I don't like that everyone like hated them for it a lot or got, they got a lot of hate. And I think it's, yeah, like make some sexy videos where you dress up cool. But to me, I just, as a songwriter, I've never been able to make like a sexy song uh, work. I just don't quite understand how to like put it in and not make it just too raunchy or too cheesy or something. So I think it's like exploring the, in a quieter singer songwriter context, the other aspects of that, that aren't, aren't sexy. But having, de <laughs> having, <laughs> having delved into your psyche in such a serious way. And, and, you know, we started off this conversation or at some point early in it, you suggested that maybe the next thing you do would be, getting together and trying to with with people and trying to make some dancier music if you can figure out how to do it. So I wonder if these things are all connected. Having delved into your psyche to write these kinds of songs, which have a like a literary bent to me. Like mm -hmm, there's a mm -hmm. narrative arc to them. The word the word yeah. choices are a little out of they're they're unusual for the for the pop song format. So you were really, I think, working on your writing. And that's not you know, we were talking earlier about U.S. Girls, how there's that really beautiful blend, I think, of, of heavy, meaningful lyrics, but also it's a disco band right now. Like, it's an upbeat experience. Do you think all of these experiences you've had, including writing this record, and I hate, I don't want you to keep suggesting you're getting things out of your system, but I think as when you're in <laughs> process and you're working on a thing and you get it done, yeah. that can't help but inform your next thing. So all a long-winded way of saying... Do you think you could apply this rather earnest approach to what you want to convey lyrically to more upbeat soundtracks if you were to go forward based on all the recent experiences you've had? I think eventually, eventually that'll happen. I definitely see, you know, most artists kind of ping pong. Uh, 
from elaborate music to simple music and loud and to fast. I, I think my next record might be even more stripped back. I I haven't quite decided yet in a way I wanted to make like go keep reaching for a higher production, but I think I'm going to try to make like a even more stripped back record, but no, we'll get there eventually. Okay. And one thing about this one is in my mind, this is like a sad record, but it's actually not like the songs are catchy and there's beats. My friends, the U S girls, uh, parents, they're twin two year olds were obsessed. I gave them my, a test pressing of the vinyl and they're obsessed with it. They listen to it every day. Oh, nice. And I was so shocked that kids would like it because to me it's like intense or whatever. But I have, when I, it's not, it's, if you guys are listening at home thinking you're going to be super bummed out, it's not true. This record <laughs> no, it's, is, um, it, 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 you know, it's, it, it's really, uh, in its own way, it is upbeat. It's definitely, what are the buzzwords? It's, it's a pop record. So it, it stays with you. It's infectious. It's catchy. So, and you have gifts for melodies that come through here. Yeah. I, to be honest, this is the context you and me talking right now where I want to get heavy with this record, but I don't listen to it and I'm not like driving depressed, uh, that this record is on. It's the exact opposite, but knowing you and I, I apologize uh, for imposing myself into any of this story, but I can't help but be like, Sorry, I did think the other day, like, holy shit, I was driving this guy around in a van when he was 16. Yeah, you know, Vish was our... I was like the band manager at like 25 years old because yeah, somebody had true. to drive these kids around. And <laughs> <laughs> and so I guess I feel, I don't often listen to a record and feel like, wait a minute, I was in some of these scenarios, like off to the side. Yeah. I wasn't, I'm not in them, but I was like peripheral to something that's this this young person is talking about so that's a bit i'm always yeah it's a it's what a wild thing to put yourself out there like that in terms of like i was servicing these songs in order to make the best songs i could and it was obviously yeah like a personal thing but now as you say it is kind of you don't think about people uh understanding it so clearly that you that know you you know yeah i'm always so impressed when authors write about their lives and push that book out, you know? Um, (laughs) Yeah. But I do hope that I've always, I think in the past, I've always tried to write a little more vaguely because the idea is that you want to touch everyone Mm -hmm. with some overarching feelings, um, which I think will still happen. As I was saying, it's, I would hope again, my, but no, anyway, don't feel bad about, uh, about 20 years ago. I don't, I don't feel, (laughs) I don't don't feel particularly bad or that I contribute. I hope I didn't contribute to any negative feelings you had in this mode of your life, but we were all learning so much at the same time about, you know, like we watched our friends in bands explode. We'd be playing with them to 15 people and the next time they came through town they were playing as an arena like a few yeah, we had a yeah. few circumstances like that where we were all growing together i just think from my perspective you were growing in a few different ways um maybe more than of course more than i was uh in a sense because i was in a heteronormative way just living my life and you had yeah. other things to ponder and grapple with and all I'm getting at is that comes through on this record for me. And I think for anyone reading a lyric sheet 
yeah. as they're listening might it might resonate that way with them as well. This this is a narrative voice that has gone through something, whether it's the author or not. Yeah. Um yeah. I agree. I and I am proud of trying to open up more in that regard. Yeah. And also, you know, like we everyone just lives their life every day and I'm not someone that really overthinks things and I I don't hold grudges really and I don't like stay mad and I I haven't ever done therapy and I don't really know if I will like I'm not the kind of person that's like ready to be like oh I can fix everything now by like delving into what's affected me but um, I guess I did a little bit by uh, <laughs> I was going <laughs> to ask you because I've been kind of ascribing uh, things that I've picked up on in an overarching sense do you feel having completed this record and now that people like me are talking to you about it do you feel like you learned something significant about yourself? Like, I know this can get a little hokey, but I would think that the way you've delved into not material, like these are things that happened in your life and you've decided mm-hmm. to process them this way. It's not therapy, but it might be therapeutic. Did you come away from this feeling well, lighter? I different? mean, hopefully I'm really excited to be performing this more live because I definitely had weirdly like right before the pandemic, I was, I've always been somewhat confident of a person mostly, but I definitely was started to have a few like experience anxiety and just be like less confident still now, like putting yourself the whole thing about putting a record out and then playing shows and stuff like you should be like a overconfident narcissist to believe that all of it's <laughs> worth it, you know? And sometimes I'm not that way. I definitely have lost some confidence in the last few years for some reason. And so working on this kind of project, I am very confident in it and I feel really good about my shows and my record. I'm so excited that people get to hear the whole thing and I'm really excited to perform more because it is really intense, but like, I feel like worthy of sharing that myself with everybody. Yeah. And I find the shows really are that way. Like it isn't, I think everyone gets, I'm hoping that everyone gets affected at the shows. People tend to listen and really dive in. And like, it is one of those things being like writing songs that really mean something and then projecting that into an audience. Like, yeah, I think it's, I'm hoping I'm feeling stronger because of that, you know, and I'm, I'm really excited for this coming year because I feel like I have found a better voice and I'm excited to share it. I I just want to touch upon this confidence thing. Like, do you feel like that it's as much to do with your, the confidence in your own abilities or a confidence that what we're all doing in sort of a creative realm right now feels purposeful. I don't want to put it this way because you and I come from a place where you didn't overthink too much. You just, if you made a sound in a studio and it wasn't expected, you know what? It's going on the record. These things mm-hmm. happen. Like it wasn't like everything you planned is exactly what you're going to leave the studio with and, or the, the stage is going to be whatever it is that night on some level. You have your structure, but I am picking up as I talk to people, as you know, Jordy, I talk to people all the time. And I think confidence in the infrastructural aspects of arts and culture is is 
waning is to put it lightly like what the fuck mm-hmm. what are we doing you know no one's getting money no one blah 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 so do you think your confidence it's weird to me to hear you say this based on this record i don't think you've ever sounded more bold and confident so i can't help but wonder do you think this confidence thing is more about like i really don't want to say does this matter that sounds too bleak <laughs> but is it like what is the point of what we're doing when we do such things, like when I make a podcast. Yeah, or yeah. I mean, I kind of feel like this is a bad time and everyone like the idea of is worth is trying to play shows. That's worth what I mean. At all. Yeah, I definitely am feeling that. And it feels even just the effort like I'm I'm almost booked my first little tour. that's going to be like five or six shows, hardly anything. And even that realizing Oh, I forgot that every fall is when everyone gets sick again. And, Mm. uh, you know, like it seems futile that did I just waste all this effort? Are we going to have to cancel, put even more effort in and have to cancel? That is bad for me as a solo artist. I do feel almost like behind it. And it's interesting that it's taking this long. Not that things I've done in the past haven't, I've done a lot. I've made a lot of records and different, uh, different bands and stuff. But I do feel like um, maybe I wish this happened five years ago or something. But it's, you know, we're always, you're always at a part in your life. And at this moment, this is the first time I've really had really good support. I have this label victory pool that are really great. And we got a grant for the record. My first time with that. The first time being like in, and it feels kind of weird seeing everyone talk about how everything's falling apart. Cause I had a good year where I felt supported <laughs> in my feels art good. <laughs> for, and it feels more important. Like I, I did, it was my job. I managed, I took this time off from living in the city and I had a free rent at my grandma's house and no job and like worked on it every day. And to me, it was a really, I made it important and it was important to me and I'm excited that we get to put it out and we have videos and I mean, I don't know if it's going to just disappear or if it means something, but to me it feels like an important time in my life with this. Good. And I'm really yeah. excited. Good. And even though it's possible that everything is doomed, it's like, <laughs> what would I have done otherwise? I don't know. You would, sound confident to, to me try. then. That's good yeah. to hear. That, no, you, you don't sound like someone who's uh, sort of unsure. That's great. And yeah, I'm glad, yeah. I'm glad you had that well-deserved uh, support structure. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And I'm about to, we haven't had a practice yet, but I'm about to build my own band because cool. this record I I just played by myself. Most of my shows I played by myself. And that idea of being a band leader is terrifying because I don't know how other people do it that I am in bands with because it's a lot to organize and a lot of, it seems it's kind of impossible. And like I said, I don't want to just have it be volunteers or whatever, but I know that when we finally practice, I'm going to forget about the stupid logistics of the business of the band and be like, Oh my God, this is so amazing. We're working together and making this songs happen. Yeah. I'm so excited for first practices next week and it's going to be worth it. Cause I think everyone's going to be, it's going to be fun. It's going to sound wonderful. So, well, I'm so happy for you and, uh, this is going to sound weird. I'm like proud of you as your friend and an elder <laughs> person who used to drive you around sometimes. 
<laughs> I feel like I can say I'm proud of you without sounding uh, patronizing or whatever. Uh, no, I, 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 you should be very proud of this record, Jordy, um, as well. You should be as proud of Thank this you. record as I am of, of you. How about that? <laughs> Thank you, Reese. Well, I've had a good, like I said, mostly it was by myself, but then people that did work on it, uh, Steve Chally mixed it. And you think of mixing as like a technical thing or whatever, but he... I could tell everyone that was working on it was like feeling it. Yeah. Like it was yeah. affecting them. Yeah. It was, I was really surprised that, um, people, even, uh, the guy that mastered it, Kevin McPhee, who I didn't know was someone I was recommended and sent. And normally mastering is like, yeah. they do it in a day and you never meet the person. I, I, we had not met, but he would, he wrote such beautiful things about it. Like it was actually, it, I've been, that's one confidence is that it's been, and even these two-year-olds got obsessed with it. People are <laughs> connecting to it already, yeah, um, yeah. which is, you know, you never know if that's going to happen. So it's been really, people have said some really nice things, and that's what I want is to, uh, there's a lot of music out there, sometimes, like, what's it for? But it also, people do really connect with some things. And if some of these songs become, like, some people's, like, important to them, then... That's great. You you can't go wrong if kids of all ages are into what you made. So that is a really good sign. And well, uh, I've been, I've been following my, for these two singles that are out so far, you can see on Spotify the, the data, exact data of who's listening, and it tells you their gender and their age and where they are, (laughs) like in this giant graph, and it's really funny to, to see like. So far, it's not the young folk yet, you know. It's yeah. uh, our our age, so I'm rooting for different demographics to get up bigger in the chart, you know. Yeah, you got to get uh, Max and Meg's uh, kids to get their Spotify. I guess there's accounts. no under. Yeah, exactly. There's no uh, demographic. <laughs> just re- repeat, for just over and over again. Just play it on repeat, and then it'll goose your stats. Yeah, no, that's. That's a strategy right there. Um, Jordy, I want to thank you for this time. Uh, if people want to learn more about uh, this album and you and, and these sorts of mm-hmm. things and this modern age of fractured um, social media and whatnot, where would you like to direct them? Um, well, mostly I just do Instagram stuff, Jordy Gordon Music. I do finally have my own website, jordygordon.com. Good for you. Which is a fun thing. And so you can see my new videos there and tour dates will happen. If you're in Ontario and Quebec, we sh- I think we're going to be playing with my new band, release shows on uh, November 22nd at the Burdock in Toronto, and November 24th uh, in Guelph at Silence, and November 26th at Hamilton into the Abyss, and then we're playing Peterborough, Sadler House, December 1st, and Montreal at Ursa December 3rd. Oh, great. Okay. So we've got, yeah. got a whole bunch of info there. That's great. And I uh, appreciate that. Um, if we can go out on a song, you know what? I'm biting my tongue. I want to ask who's in the band, but is it a surprise? Uh, no, it's not a surprise. It just, it just hasn't happened. Yet, oh, okay. Never mind. You know what? Um, we're going <laughs> to, we'll find <laughs> out if who's in the band once you have a couple of practices. Is that, Oh, wait, yeah, sure. It? Okay, okay. Because I'm going to fire them all at the first Well, you never know. Practice, they might so. they might not uh, <laughs> make the cut. Who knows? I know, You never know. Yeah. For those who don't know, Jordy Gordon is like the James Brown of Southern Ontario indie rock. If you're, he'll find you <laughs> if you screw up. That's, no, I'm just, exactly. just joking. Uh, Jordy, if we can go out on a song 
um, yeah. from Tambourine. I wonder if you can choose one for us. And, and if so, uh, tell us why it came to mind. I don't know. I was going to choose the least, what I think of as the least important, but like nicest feeling song, <laughs> which is called Long Long. Sure. And it was one of those songs that I wrote really fast and was like, it was not full of all these <laughs> uh, characteristics of what we were just talking about, but it's just kind of a song about the passing of time and it's a feel kind of a f- more of a feel good song. And it has my friend Cass Richards, uh, who lives in Boston, who was a singer in us girls. She's singing back up on it and I'm not sure why it came to mind, but that's, I like it. Well, I feel like you gave a, a whole uh, slew of good reasons there. Yeah. Um, and I think it's, is it ostensibly kind of about your own, life in a way or uh, about one oh uh, yeah yeah it, it's a it's more of a life in general uh, i guess it's kind of about uh that shit will happen stuff happens it has for millennia yeah I, I i just I, I i i honed <laughs> in on that because of uh, one verse and i'll read it and people now look out for this a name is born written on the cradle it follows you through childhood's facts and fables and then one day you notice your own face and why all those years you felt so out of place. Did I get that right? Yeah, those are the words. Yeah, so that's that's yeah, a good... That's, something going on there. I, I don't know yeah. what it means exactly, <laughs> but I have a read that it's it's part and parcel with some of the things we've talked about today. Is that fair? Yeah, sure. It's a little more universal, or not just to do with me, but yeah, that's yeah uh, a part about discovering who you really are. And it's it's one thing to come of age, but it's another to ponder how you came of age. Uh, how, yeah. how about I put it that way? Like what, yeah, totally. what were those building blocks that helped you come of age? And I feel like there's a lot of that on this record as you ponder certain moments, like for someone else that day at that hidden camera show, they went home and didn't think twice about it. Yeah. Meanwhile, it's a pivotal moment in your life. And it, as, as many events have been for me. So it's just funny. The person next to you is like, yeah, that was fine. Gone. Exactly. Totally out of their memory banks. And for you or me, it's just like, that was the greatest day of night of my life. Like, it's weird. Life is weird. But in any case, I've rambled on. This is Long Long by Jordy Gordon from the excellent new album, Tambourine. Uh, Jordy, um, I love you. Thank you for making time for me. It's been such an honor to... This was a wonderful talk. Well, it's just been an honor for me to uh, know you. I know it sounds like I one of us is about to die, but I just want to say it's been an honor to know you and, and play with you and work with you and yes. and see you um, continue to surprise well, me with your music. I still don't drive, so I'm going to need you to drive me around. <laughs> I'll break out my old manager uh, button that I used yes. to have, my pin, and I'll get oh, yes. you around. <laughs> Sounds good. We'll see you then. Thank you so much, Vish. It follows its desire 
facts and fables And then one day you notice your own face Oh, why all those years you felt so out of place of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out my solution is plush care plush care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey they can prescribe fda approved weight loss medications like wagovi and zeb pound for those who qualify plus they accept most insurance plans To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Thanks so much again to Jordy Gordon for reappearing on this uh, show. Jordy's been on a few times, I believe. I will. I, I haven't done it yet as I'm speaking to you, but I'll make a related episodes thing and then I'll discover how many times he's been on the show. Anyway, uh, it's always nice to talk to Jordy. This time he was on the 815th episode of Creative Control, which is part of the Entertainment One Podcast Network and is available just about wherever it is you get your podcasts. If you can't find an episode that you're uh, searching for and uh, uh, you know you can't find it anywhere, or if you're uh, hoping to learn more about me and sign up for my monthly newsletter, please visit vishkana.com and you can do all of those things there. And also like Creative Control on uh, various social media platforms that may or may not still exist by the time you are listening to this uh, episode of this show. Uh, you can like Creative Control on Facebook. We have a page still. Hasn't been taken down or nothing. Uh, you can follow the show on Twitter, at Vish Creative, or you can follow me directly on Twitter and on Instagram, at Vish Kana. I'm also on Blue Sky and Threads, and uh, there's a TikTok thing, and a few other things, too. Just search for me, and if it looks like me, it's probably me. Although, I shouldn't say that. There's someone who's impersonating me just the other uh, month there, and it sucked. Actually, I think they're still sort of doing it. I don't know. You complain and they don't change anything. Why am I talking about this? Hey, uh, please visit patreon.com slash creative control to make a flexible monthly donation to sustain this podcast. I, uh, I'm a, It's a little low and I want it to be higher. I'd like to just do this for a job. Uh, it's not even close to being able to help uh, uh, support that uh, dream uh, of supporting my family and myself with... Uh, 
just doing fun work. Uh, I know I'm not alone in that regard, but uh, yeah, I have this patron, and uh, if you can support it uh, with a, a financial donation, a monthly flexible donation, that would be great. If you uh, donate $6 or more a month, American uh, dollars there, uh, you get access to exclusive content, you get episodes earlier than everybody else, and also I uh, can send you a Creative Control t-shirt if you want one. Just message me on Patreon and I'll get you one while supplies last. Thank you. Thanks again to Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph, Ontario, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton, Ontario for their in-kind support for this show. Thanks, as always, to my friend Jim Guthrie for letting me use some music of his on the show. You can learn more about Jim at uh, jimguthrie.org. Kind of the Guelph indie rock uh, godfather, Jim Guthrie. Certainly, Jordy Gordon looked up to him, uh, and I uh, admired him as a contemporary uh, when I was uh, in town before Jim moved off and taught uh, people in Guelph they could move away from Guelph in a way. Anyway, it's nice to have uh, Jordy on the show. I hope you'll check out his uh, record, Tambourine. And tell your friends about Creative Control and uh, subscribe to the show or follow it. It means a lot. Listen, I'll talk to you real soon. Take care of yourselves. Bye for now. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.